Hello again and welcome in to another episode of The Lion's Edge by BetMGM. I'm your host, Chase Kitty. Really good show for you today. Two straight weeks of just fire picks. Just crushing the sports books the last couple of weeks. Really good picks available in both college football and NFL. You can catch them here. You can catch them on The Roar, which is the BetMGM blog. We have my picks that get their own special article. We've got our staff picks where you can read uh, from me, from Andrew Doughty, former co-host of the show, from Andy Cafaro, our team leader, from Colton Poole, our NFL writer. So definitely check out the caps either here or on the blog or both if you like to go back and forth and lots of other great content there too. Great week five of college football, week four of the NFL scheduled up for you in today's episode going to talk for about 30 minutes with my friend Trista Crick. She is co-host of BetMGM Tonight with the guys over there. Going to get into some of her background. I wanted to have more handicappers on the show, not just to give their picks, because, I mean, if you listen to this show, there's a decent chance you follow a lot of handicappers on social media. You can find their picks, right? But But I wanted to pull a little deeper here, understand how she got into handicapping, her background, Uh, A little bit of finance and economics, which I think is not surprising. Uh, More from her on that later. Uh, And then understand not just the sports she likes to handicap, but the spots she likes to handicap. I want to try to do more theory on the podcast and kind of work that in, even in season. Give you different looks on how you might approach a board. Which numbers you might want to look for depending on the handicappers that you trust. So just giving you some food for thought there in a nice conversation with Trista that's about 30 minutes or so. Let's start here off the top. Thursday night football, tonight's game between the Bengals and Dolphins. The Dolphins, of course, the only undefeated team left in the AFC. They open as a one and a half point road underdog in Cincinnati for tonight's game. That number fairly quickly bet up to four. Cincinnati by four is the number right now as of late Wednesday afternoon when I'm recording this portion. I bought the three and a half. I didn't get to it early enough to get the really good number, but I do have three and a half. So some slight closing line value there for me, assuming the market stays where it's at throughout the day on Thursday. Total opens at 48. A slight movement there down to 47. So maybe uh, maybe a little bit of key movement there because 48 is is sort of a key number in the totals market. 47, not exactly a dead number either, but not much movement. If you want to come in on a side, either way, I'd say uh, the number's there for you to to jump on. I like Cincinnati here. I I like the Bengals side, and I would lay the points even at four. Miami, it's great that they're 3-0. It's great that they beat the Bills. That was a magic win. I mean, to to be outgained by 200 and some yards, to be outsnapped offensively like 90-40, to Ninety to thirty-five, you just don't win those games. So I think Miami is is clearly improved. I think Tua is playing well with the weapons he has. This is not Miami slander; it's just reality that at some point they are being overvalued for what they are. Cincinnati remains the more desperate team. They're going to have a solid home field advantage here after having spent both of the last two weeks on the road. They need the win to get back to five hundred. Miami has a fluky win over Buffalo, has a crazy fluky comeback win in Baltimore. 
This is a team that is ripe for negative regression, and I think Thursday night is probably the spot where we see it. So Miami, I think, will remain in the playoff picture throughout the year. Offensively, they clearly have a lot of talent, but I was on the podcast last week, and I told you what I didn't hear anybody else say all week. Buffalo going south to Florida. It looks easy to point out now. Lots of people pointed it out after the fact. I told you last week. Upstate New York team going to South Florida in September. The heat and weather are going to be an issue. And it was. That, I think, as much as anything else, explains what happened last week. Miami is now being overvalued. Even after two and a half points of line movement, I'm still riding with the Bengals on Thursday night. I think you should as well. Let's talk about a couple of other NFL lines that I like before we get to my conversation with Trista. I think one of the themes of this week's show is going to be unpopular favorites. I am on noticeably high amount of favorites this week, but a lot of them are not square favorites. They are unpopular favorites where the dog actually is attracting a majority of the attention. Let's go now to another one of those. Cincinnati-Miami, it should be pointed out, is kind of in that mold. Uh, I think last I saw the Dolphins had a slight ticket advantage, 51-49 but about 85% of the money of the of the market handle was actually on the Bengals. Similar situation here out west. Rams 49ers. If you're a longtime listener of the show, you know that this is one of my favorite spots to bet. Kyle Shanahan enjoys general mastery over the Los Angeles Rams over Sean McVay. That, I think, explains why the 49ers opened as kind of a sneaky, sharp one-point favorite. That immediately gets bet up to minus two and a half, despite the fact that about 60-59% of the tickets are on the Rams. Uh, This is another huge, sharp square split with 41% of the tickets on the 49ers, but 76% of the money in the overall market. That's a broad number. That's not a bet MGM number. Clearly, this is reverse line movement. This is sharp signals. Those of us that do this for a living have long memories, and we know what happens when the Rams play the 49ers. So, yes, the Rams are Super Bowl favorites. Yes, the 49ers lost an ugly game in Denver last Sunday night, but I expect the 49ers to come home Injury issues or no injury issues, and Shanahan to continue his mastery over McVay. So I am happy to lay the two and a half under the key number of three and get the side that has a lot of historical dominance in this spot. Pittsburgh playing the Jets at home. I have been pretty unimpressed with Pittsburgh's defense since TJ Watt went out with a torn peck. And once you take TJ Watt off this defense, I mean, the defense is basically the reason I gave you the handicap that Pittsburgh was a great flyer in the divisional odds market. You expect the defense to hold everybody to 14, 17, 20 points, something like that, and then Trubisky and that offense to do enough. They're going to be relevant. They're going to be in the mix, and maybe they can make some plays late. Like that, That kind of is the formula for Pittsburgh in a transitional sequence at quarterback after Roethlisberger. The problem is... Laying points now with Pittsburgh with no T.J. Watt is a bit of a struggle. So that's that's an assumption I'm not willing to make that Pittsburgh is going to continue to play good defense at home. They haven't necessarily done that the last couple weeks. However, 
The bigger assumption in this market is actually on the Jets side because it was announced Wednesday that Zach Wilson will return. He will be the starter for the Jets this weekend. And the market decided that's good news for the Jets and they've been betting the New York side of this. I think at one point it was at four. It was at three and a half for a couple days. Now it's at three at most sports books, including BetMGM. So you're getting great buyback value on the Steelers with this getting bet down to three rather than having to buy it on the wrong side of the key number. So that's one reason to like Pittsburgh. Another is that, are we sure Zach Wilson is going to come back and immediately be good on the road against the Steelers' defense? Again, it's the Steelers' defense without TJ Watt, and I think they've been a little bit fluky and unimpressive without him. Nonetheless, it is still the, the Steelers' defense to conquer in Pittsburgh That seems like a lot for a young quarterback who's playing his first game of the year. I like the Steelers in this spot. About five-eighths, 62-65% of the tickets are on the Jets plus the points. I love an unpopular favorite. One more favorite to consider here, Green Bay is hosting New England. I don't love buying the Packers. I don't love buying the Packers minus a bunch of points. And I don't love buying the Packers right after they won in Tampa Bay. They're getting a lot of credit for that win. I don't know how much credit is the right amount of credit. Tampa's offensive line is Swiss cheese. They've played, you know, backup quarterbacks and in net offenses to this point. Getting beat by Aaron Rodgers is not that surprising when you look at the challenges they had in week three. But they're playing against a New England team that's going to be forced to their backup quarterback. I don't know how much we should expect from Brian Hoyer, a.k.a. Hoyer the Destroyer. At 10.5, this was a lean for me. This number is now down to Green Bay 9.5, and and that's going to be my buy point. I do think Green Bay ultimately wins this by double digits. I could see New England keeping it close for a half because Belichick's got some tricks up his sleeve. But ultimately, the New England offense with Brian Hoyer and that cast of characters is not going to be enough against Green Bay's very good defense at home with a big home field advantage. That's going to be a Green Bay 9.5 for me. At 10.5, it's just a lean. At 9.5, it's an outright play. One underdog for you. The Houston Texans opened as seven-point home dogs to the Los Angeles Chargers. And I have been telling you guys for a couple weeks now, Houston is kind of frisky. They upgraded a lot of their starting personnel from bad to kind of average, and you have to think about them differently because of that. They are no longer a bad team. They're kind of just an unimpressive one. They were seven-point home dogs. That number is now bet to five, which is, of course, kind of in that dead zone. So not a super valuable number uh, because you don't have CLV and because it's not really near a key number. That said, it is still probably the side that I want to be on here 41% of the tickets are on the Texans, and yet the line moves two full points in their favor. Clear reverse line movement. We don't know what's going on with the Chargers. As far as I can tell, Herbert is going to play this week. He's going to probably take another pain injection, and he's going to tough it out again. But they have injuries all over the place, the Chargers, and it's not like they have a history of being successful. I am not the first person to point this out, so I can't take credit for this or anything. But we're hyping the Chargers as potential Super Bowl teams to bet on. When was the last time the Chargers did anything in the playoffs? This is kind of what they do. They don't play up to their talent. I would not be surprised if the Chargers won this but failed to cover. 
like an ugly 24 to 20 kind of win in Houston where the Texans drop another game, but they also get another cover. So even though it's not the best of the number, that's the side that I will be on there. Houston plus five is the number as of right now. One more time, uh, starting with tonight's game, that is Bengals minus four against Miami on Thursday night football, 50-50 ticket split, but about 85% of the money on Cincy there. That's a clear Bengals play for me. 49ers minus two and a half, Pittsburgh minus three, Green Bay minus nine and a half, and Texans plus five are your official podcast plays for the NFL in week four of the 2022 NFL season. Let's get to my conversation with Trista Crick, how she looks at betting, how she came to sports betting, uh, and and sort of the uh, interesting journey that we all have in in getting to this unique and still somewhat new media space. Interesting conversation with her. I hope you enjoy it, and I'll see you on the other side for some college football picks. All right, Trista Crick, host of BetMGM Tonight. WFAN on Saturday nights. He check the NBA pod. You stay busy. Nobody can accuse you of being lazy. Trista, how you doing today? You know, it's funny that you say that because I always tell people, like, I don't like to work. Like, I don't like working. <laughs> Full I, I would prefer to not work. But everything that I, everything that you said has its own thing that I enjoy doing. So it's like I can't, can't let any of them go. And they all require preparation and time on the mic. So yeah. you try to figure out ways to like do it less. But yeah, I mean, you're, it's funny that you say like nobody can accuse you of being lazy because I personally will tout being like somewhat of not a hard worker, even though all of the evidence probably like counters that. At sports media in 2022, though, I mean, you, you just kind of have to do that. You have to hustle and grind and have four different things that you're doing. I mean, and then maybe one day you get parlayed into into something bigger and better. But I mean, for now, I mean, this is just kind of the job we're all doing, right? Yeah, I think so. And I think they all have their own things, right? Like sports betting is completely different than sports talk radio at night on a weekend on WFAN, which is caller driven. I was going to say, taking your calls next. (laughs) Yeah, totally different situation, totally different type of people that you get to encounter, totally different skill sets things that you like to, I guess, like hone uh, parts of my brain that I like to use. And then heat check is, I, I love comedy. And I think being at Barstool taught me a lot about comedy. And so, you know, that being an NBA pod that's focused on making people laugh is something that I actually use and try to take on a bet MGM tonight too. It's like, how do we make betting funny? I really relate to that because I like I have a small I don't want people to go crazy here. I have a small background in stand up comedy. So there there is it, it's the same muscle, but it's being used differently, you know, and, and when you can find ways to cross that over, I think it makes yeah. for really good content. I mentioned this at the top of the podcast. I, I just I want to have more handicappers on. It, it's great to have like media type people on and they give their take but i want to do more stuff with actual like real handicappers i listen to your caps a lot because i listen to bet mgm tonight all the time and as has been increasingly clear i think with my frenetic dming to like you and and ryan like all the guys on the show like ah, in the middle of the show which i should probably stop doing if we're all being honest about it i kind of love it <laughs> that somebody does but I, I'm, I'm curious just like Take me back to how you got into this, and then I want to pick your brain on like what you like to look for on the board and where you see your spots as. Yeah, so 
I've been into sports since I was a little girl. My mom was a huge basketball fan, huge Portland Trailblazer fan since I was, since I can remember, really. I remember we had the huge satellite dish outside when we lived in California in the yard, like one of those ones that looked like E.T. phone home, right? So I've been a sports fan since I was probably like three or four, big Blazer fan. And so I think loving sports and being a player, I played basketball my whole life with the boys and played all the way through high school and then got into caddying. I got a full ride scholarship to, to Oregon as a golf caddy. And so as I transitioned from finance, I, I bet on a little bit of games in college, out of college, just out of college, nothing crazy though. Right. It was just like on your team with some friends right? on a random website offshore. I think it was Bavada. And, and like nothing, like not a lot of analysis, really just leans and feelings on what I had seen in the PAC 12, mostly, um, success level mediocre, right? It was just really for fun. And then, you know, along the way, when I got into media, cause I was in finance for five years, the, I think that the people in charge of sports media want us to lose all of our joy. <laughs> I'm pretty sure because I was kicked out of multiple uh, press boxes for cheering because not for anyone. I don't even care. Just like the excitement of the game. Just exuberance, not like go yeah, ducks. Just not, like, oh, yeah. that was so crazy. Like, oh my God, yeah. did you see Kyler Murray rip off like a 60 yard run for Oklahoma? And they're like, you're going to need to be quiet right? You just say nothing. Nothing that happens can affect you in an audible manner. So over time, I think betting allowed me to, I think as my excitement for the game started to go down with that happening, I think in a really overt way from the, the powers that be. Yeah. And then, you know, sports betting being another lane. And I think fantasy was a big way to get into it too. I was a waiver wire machine, just like researching injuries and diet gambling, fantasy yeah, football. diet wish, wish version of gambling. So I had like five leagues and I'm, I'm on, you know, every website to try to find out what's going on and doing like millions of mock drafts and like looking at systems and schemes. So the analytical side that I used with finance and business school was playing into, I think, fantasy. And then as I guess betting became more palatable, then I started to write, I started actually first and foremost on WNBA because there was the softest lines, right? If you watch oh, games. Still, it's crazy how soft some of those lines are. Yeah. And if you watch the games and there's not a lot written about the WNBA from like a betting perspective. So when I was at Barstool, I started just writing and analyzing games that were upcoming in the WNBA. And then I took that, and that was in right in the middle of the pandemic. So it's like really when I got super serious about it and then more in the bubble for the NBA. And then that next NFL season really, really got serious. And so I think it was like a gradual process of, you know, I like narratives, I like storylines. And now that they, now that betting is legalized and, and really actually more accepted, I actually get more excitement 
um, because all of that joy has been sort of stolen as a media member that didn't cover betting. So that's kind of like how it how it happened. It was a progress. Yeah, I don't think I knew. I knew you. I knew you had been at Barstool. I knew you were from Pacific Northwest. I knew you'd gone to Oregon. I knew about the golf connection. I don't think I knew about the finance. And I'm not surprised to hear that though, because so many people like it's one of the things I try to emphasize on this podcast is that the language of sports betting is the language of finance if you're doing this correctly. It's buy low, it's sell high, it's it's all of these like fundamental principles in the stock market that also apply to gambling if you're approaching it the right way and not, you know, I think Lamar Jackson's gonna have a great weekend. Like, you know, it's it's less about that and, and more about uh, economics, I think. Uh, so that's that's really interesting. I'm not surprised though. Give me uh, give me your best caddy at Oregon story that you have. Like, what's what's a weird thing that happened with the team, or uh, like a team party, or just some some good story that you might have tucked away for me? So when I so I caddied at Bannon Dunes, which is the number two public golf course in the nation, underneath Pebble Beach. So we would, I would go there during the summer and caddy for all of these really well-off, like Fortune 500 executives. I would caddy for, you know, people who were in the movies or whatever. And I remember caddying for a woman who was in this party for, it was like a senator, a bunch of senators came. And I remember Senator Don Nichols, uh, who was a member at Burning Tree, which actually you don't even allow women on the golf course at all. Like the only one day a year women can step foot on the golf course. UPS drivers that are women can't even go on the ground. That's how crazy it is. And he was a member there. The only day that women can come is when they can buy apparel for their husband, which I am dying to get like a Burning Tree hat. Like I really want a Burning Tree hat just to kind of like, you know, yeah. do what it is. So I'm, I'm caddying for this woman who is in charge of the Airline uh, Pilots Association. And she was really great. And as I'm caddying for her, and I am kind of like not really aware of all the guidelines and like etiquette of the government because I'm from the West Coast. So they had all come and he's like stepping off. So you step off yardage, right? Yeah. Like to the next like sprinkler head where you get the yardage marker to where your ball is. So I'm stepping off the yardage and I'm noticing he's stepping off the yardage with me. And I'm like, uh, what are you, what are you doing? And I'm like, is he, is he also caddying? Is he doing the same thing? He was like checking everything that I did. I would read the, the green for her. He would get in front of me and like, I'd be kneeling over to look and see what the the, the green did. See how much the, the, you know, like sort of the undulation of the green was. And he would literally go right in front of me and kneel down as well. So I'm like, okay, this is getting outrageous. He's, uh, so I'm in the bunker and she hits her ball in there and you're, you know, you rake the bunker when you get out. And his name was, you know, you're supposed to call him just Senator Nichols. I'm like, hey, Don, hey, Don. And he looks over and I go, do you want to get this, uh, this bunker as well? And he goes, what do you mean? And I go, well, you've been doing pretty much all of the caddying short of carrying the bag. I just figured you'd want to do some of the dirty work as well. And he just sits there mouth agape. <laughs> and she looks at me and she goes, I'm pretty sure no one has ever spoken to him like that 
ever in his life. And I said, Hey, if you want a caddy for Christine, totally fine. I'm just going to leave. But in the meantime, like I'm going to do my job and you're going to do whatever you're doing <laughs> and, uh, and step off. So like, if you're going to caddy caddy, if not like stop, I don't know what you're doing, but this has never happened to me before. One of the most disrespectful things you can do on a golf course is like try to question the caddy and I'm not yeah. even your caddy. So, uh, so I ended up staying with her on that job for like five days. She tried, she got me an internship with a person in Eugene. It made an and impression. Like, yeah. Yeah. Like Ron Wyden. She was like, Oh, you should go into politics. You could go. Lobbying. <laughs> so yeah, it ended up. You did like, go to Washington and tell a bunch of men what to think. So, I mean, that is kind of, uh, I mean, it is, you know, politics and gambling. And it was her and three other dudes that were all senators and they all looked like what is happening right now. <laughs> so I always remember Don Nichols. Yeah. That's good. All right. Let's let's get into the handicapping stuff. And you can go wherever you want with this or you can keep it tight to football. It's, it's up to you. What do you like to bet? I've heard a lot of your baseball caps. I know we're coming to the end of baseball season. From the sound of it, you had a much better baseball season than I did. I really went to the toilet the second half. I just had to step away and, and call it quits for the year. Tell me where you like to go and what sort of spots you look for when you're uh, when you're reviewing the board. So I'll usually look first and foremost just at the board, right, and see and identify immediately gut instinct. And there are teams, right, that you see and watch and you're fond of. Either, like, you hate them or you love them, but you seem to always – and they end up on your screen, right? And so you kind of feel like you have an intimacy that, with them. So I'll look at the board and then I'll see what jumps off the page immediately. From what I've been watching, you know, lines that just look weird, immediate line movement that I'll see. Like I, I use, you know, full disclosure, I use the Action Network app sometimes. I'll use so you know, all those to just kind of see where everything, it's a very easy way for me to see what's open and what's changed. And I've got kind of like the pro report where I see where, where the money is going. And then I kind of just write down like early feelings, right? Early feelings, boom, 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 boom. And I obviously am identifying the teams and going and looking for them as well. Like Texas A&M this year has been a team that I think I'm, uh, unstoppable, right? Like, and that hubris is is only growing by the week. As I feel like, I, feel <laughs> I think if Haynes King wouldn't have been benched, I would have been even more like arrogant about who A and M is. And I actually lived with some A and M like grads, so they they've given me all the like historical stuff on how A and M always plays um, their rivals, right? So I'll do that. I'm looking for the insight from what I've watched. I really like teams that do one thing really well like just and like the other thing i'm hoping that they do really poorly like i love teams with elite defenses and trash offenses just like texas a m now i know who you are i know it's going to be very difficult for you to score on even the most mediocre defenses you just get in your own way and your defense is elite and so not just what i see but then you know go on and find all that statistical stuff as well so I really, I think, try to identify the the gut feeling, what I see when I watch games, the stat, the statistics behind that going on team rankings, right? Looking at, you know, their red zone defense, looking at what's up with their personnel. I think I look at offensive lines and defensive lines more than 
most people when I'm telling a story and when I'm painting a picture about how the game is going to go. And then I try to just imagine what I think the game script's going to be. How is this going to work? What is this going to be? Then obviously you're looking at the narratives, right? Narrative-based betting. So one of the examples of that is like Alabama watches Georgia beat Oregon, right? And they stomp them. Alabama in the past has not been able to cover those 40-point spreads. But because Alabama is now not number one in the country, they didn't win the national championship, and they need to show all of the voters that they're dominant or the number one team in the country, now they're covering those big numbers and keeping their foot on the gas because there's a psychological element of it all. So I think it's what I see, the trends, the analytics, the narratives, and if all four of those don't go in the same direction, then I need to step back and do more thought and maybe even step away and not bet that game at all. How uh, how would you say your approach to the college betting space changes versus the NFL betting space? Like what, what do you see as the key differences that could change your behavior? I think that they're kids, right? And you know that they party and you know that there's these look ahead spots and these huge games that they win that are emotional for them. And maybe there's a, an upcoming game with a huge rivalry, right? So those spots on the calendar, I would identify probably more than I do in the NFL. I think the NFL has less of that. I've been on campus with my friends getting drunk versus, you know, these guys in the NFL. There's less variance, right? The, and also I would say, you know, Big Ten rivalries, if you're looking at, all right, Iowa and Michigan, for example, they're playing this weekend. You know, they're, they're recruiting the same guys. So there are players that are on Iowa that think that they should have gone to Michigan. And they're going to really get up for that rivalry in conference. Same thing with college basketball, really. Very tough places to play. You're not getting that the same degree as you do in college in the NFL, right? Like, and it's if you do, that division's so much smaller. The divisional rivalries, I don't think, are nearly as impactful as the rivalries in college football, if that makes sense. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you on the variance stuff. And, and I think, you know, there, there's a, there's variance in the NFL, but it's a different kind of variance. It's like, hey, these guys are getting paychecks too kind of variance where even, even a bad NFL team is still a professional football team. Whereas the gap between Alabama and New Mexico State, or if you want to go to the FCS level, which I think is an even greater gap, the gap between, you know, South Dakota State and Stetson is like mind-blowing. So I, I think... I think you can find ways to leverage that information and the swings and the and the crazy emotional gaps because so many of the top teams lay such heavy point totals every single week. Like the last week, I gave out um, Central Michigan plus the 28, which was a perfect example because Penn State's a 25, 30-point favorite every time they play this year. You're not always going to cover 30 points, and so if you can identify the right spots. Same thing with Georgia. Yeah. Even Georgia. The Same thing with Georgia. Are absurd, right? Yeah. 44 and a half with Kent State last week. Yeah. And I, I think that when I'm looking for evidence to either back up or refute what my, what I've seen is I, I don't look at the national news nearly as much. I'm looking at what the local beat reporters say, right? Because they're the ones that are really going to give you a different edge, right? You're looking at, for example, the Bengals game against the Jets, there were local beat reporters that were saying, man, the Bengals are absolutely pissed that the national media is calling them frauds. 
look for the Bengals to come out and try to make a statement in the first half against the Jets because there's a lot of people who are saying that last year was an anomaly and that these are the same old Bengals, right? And the same thing this year, where or this, this week against Miami, where it's, okay, Jamar Chase thinks he's the number one receiver against Tyreek Hill. So he's the one who maybe Joe Burrow and he are going to have some sort of communication before this game. Like maybe look for Jamar Chase to have a huge game in the prop market as well. So, and that's, I think the, the key thing in being a mature better, which happens over time is knowing that you can't do that process and go through that process for many games, unless you're a maniac, right? You can't look at film beat reporter, go through team rankings, dig through analytics, dig through trends for 16 games in college and 12 games in the NFL. Like you, you have to pick your spots and know the teams that are stay away teams. Like Clemson's a stay away for me. Like I just, there are teams that are up and down and yes, they're frauds, but I had them, I think the under in that first half and it was plus money. And I knew that was suspect and that thing like flew over. And so there are teams that are like, okay, they're on my list that I don't personally have a good feel for who this team is. Maybe someone else does, but it's not me. My my instinct doesn't, I don't know anything about them. So I think it's making the board smaller and and more specific, and, and I think the evidence more dense. Uh, like, I, th- I think the Jags are a good team that I think I have now a good feel for. I've somehow watched every game sort of intently, and, and kind of sticking to that and not overextending yourself. Yeah, I think that's a natural transition to my next question, which was what's your ideal bet volume for a weekend, for a Saturday or a Sunday? I, I think you're exactly right about the maturity thing. I think really young gamblers want to get down 5 or $10 on 25 games. And, and in my experience, betting high volume is how you lose high volume. That, that said, there's different definitions of like I'm a low volume gambler. So I'm curious sort of what your approach is there. Especially just really back to that really quickly, if you're betting money lines, especially in the NFL, where you're betting like a minus 150 or minus 140. Oh, you're you dead can, most you weeks. And, you can go six yeah. and three and still lose money. Yeah. So that your instincts are right. And, and you may be up $5, $10 max, you know, or you're, you're, you're winning just based on that math doesn't work for me. That, that math does not work for me whatsoever. So I, Yeah, and, and one of my emph- points of emphasis coming into this year, and I'm a pretty strong college football better in terms of ROI, but one of my points of emphasis was not trying to win more, but trying to lose less. Uh, and so far, like that's been a really, really uh, constructive point of emphasis, I, th- I think. And the, uh, the picks on the podcast probably bear that out. Yeah, I think in college, I'll usually set a two-team parlay that's like a, and that's like a staple. And, and I'm, I think that's another thing to think about is I think people lose a lot of money because they see the big, the, the exponential growth in adding legs. And how many times have you added last minute something, right? And you've changed the leg or added a leg and you lose on that. So once the parlay is set, you got to kind of stick to that and not change. Even if there's a little bit of line movement, just either stick to it or stay all the way away. So I'll usually do, I like parlays and I like them two to three teams in college. And I usually, I usually like to anchor it like my favorite play in college football that I love. My friend who I got me into betting, his favorite play, 
in college football and Ryan's favorite play. I've actually used your favorite play one time to anchor. And it's like people that I trust, their number one thing, like the thing that I've heard over and over and over from them, I've read from them. Game you plus seven. Exactly. (laughs) And, And so I've like, when I'm scanning through, I'm like, all right, how am I building? I'm building with like confident plays and I'm using them in a way where it's like, I'm only looking for really one. And in an NFL, so probably like, I'd say maximum, maximum eight games a weekend in, in college. And that's like, that's a lot. It's usually like four to six games, I would say, that I'll actually. Like but you can, play. you can do more in college though, simply because yeah. you have more games to yeah. choose from. You're not, you know, if you bet eight games in the NFL, you're betting 50% right. of the entire board. You, you bet. Yeah eight games in college you're at you know and it's and it's based on what i feel and i'll rank them right like how confident am i you know where do i th- do all those things do the, all those four or five different uh criterion that i'm looking at in terms of like narratives trends analytics feel what i've seen do they all go the same direction if there's a bunch of games where i feel like the board is wrong and i think early in the season the board is you know vegas is more wrong right like the first six weeks of the college football season is where you can make most of your money right before things really start to tighten up so if i like eight games because of those those criteria cool if it's only two three cool i don't have like a strict sort of like measurement on that and then in the nfl i think it's a little less um probably like probably six games in the nfl is around right and but Here's the thing there too. It's it's not just sides and totals there, right? Like I used to love until it's now gone because Flacco's not playing, but Flacco attempts were going to be an automatic prop play for me. 35 and a half attempts was what it was. And I'm like, he's going to get 25 attempts in the first half. So so it's it's building. And, I, and like I said, I love parlays. And that was kind of what always got me into it because as someone who was in finance, it's always the balance of risk and reward. I would rather lose the bet completely or win the bet at plus 600 than have all of these individual plays and, you know, go six and three, right? Um, So finding a prop that I really like, finding a a total that I really like, finding a side or a money line that I really like, and and parlaying those together. Or the bet MGM win slash totals, that's its own leg, you know, and sometimes you can sort of tease. Dowdy loves those, yeah. I love them too. I do. And you can look at spread slash total as well. And there's a lot of really unique things that you can do in there to get plus money on things that you feel are pretty much locks. Now, like in the game, like the Chiefs, Chiefs money line and over 36 and a half against the Colts felt like lock, but you know, these upsets happen. So yeah, that's kind of how I like to build them. I find something that I love and anchor the parlay from there. And in the NFL, Try to look at, you know, interesting little like props. Just, I mean, there's so many that you can choose from. And then I kind of just go back to them. I don't get crazy and look at everything. It's narrowing my focus to the teams, the players that I know, and building from there. Tell me about what you like this weekend, college or NFL. I know you, you mentioned uh, you're, you're all aboard the A&M under train because you like their defense yeah. and you hate their offense. Go wherever you want with it. Picks that you really feel good about for this weekend. Yeah, I think number one, AM has just been an under machine. AM, so my guy who's like the kind of like a surrogate father for me, he went to AM and his joke is AM never covers 
and they always go under. And and pretty much that ethos has has reigned a little bit true. And as AM's defense has gotten better, that's that's been the case, right? 13th in the nation. They're holding teams to like 13 points per game. And they're not giving up a ton of yards per play either. They've got a really good red zone defense. And and like I said, they just don't find ways to score. Uh, total is 45 and a half. AM hasn't come close to that number all year. They're 4 and 0 to the under so far. Both the Mississippi State's games against non-cupcakes games have gone under, and their defense is really good. Their third down conversion, their fourth down conversion is really stout. Um, and they're one of the teams that opponents run least against, right? So secondary is something that can be picked on, and AM is not a team that can really exploit bad secondary. So I like that. I also like Mississippi State to cover the four, um, just because I just don't think AM is a good team. Like, I, I just don't trust them at all. Uh, I love Duke, Virginia under 49 and a half. Like this is one of those games when we talk about like instinct, instinct is Virginia anything under. It cannot be said enough how bad Virginia's offensive line is. It's so bad. They could run you and I out there to play like right guard, right tackle right now. They're so hurting at offensive line because the whole unit transferred in the offseason. Right. They had – they had a award uh, award finalist or award winner at center. I can't remember which one. He's gone. The whole rest of the line's gone. They're terrible. Terrible. They're averaging like 13 points per game. And, like, listen, they're 29th in the in, in the country at opponents' points per game. So they're, they're one of these teams that I look at like, okay, bad offense for a variety of reasons that I really don't care about, good defense. Duke as well, three and one to the under, including all three games against their real opponents. So at 49 and a half, I, and like average, they're going under by 17 points in these Virginia games. So I really like that. Um, Alabama, I think that the Alabama, all of the metrics, this is one of those ones where you look at, okay, what do the metrics say about Alabama? They say that Alabama's defense is really good. They say Alabama's is the number two defense in the country. I don't believe that for one second because they've played no one. We saw Quinn Ewers. We saw it with our own two eyes what he was going to do to him, right? Like 134 yards in one quarter before he gets injured. He was going to put together a 500-yard game against Alabama. Then Hudson Card, he gets injured. He's limping. He's a statue for most of that game, right? He's visibly hobbled and yet still able to complete passes on that secondary. So the stats tell me Alabama's defense is nice. But when I'm watching them play a real team, I see that it's not their secondary is very gettable. So over 61 and a half points there. I like that. I just don't trust their secondary. I like that over. I don't trust Arkansas's secondary. Yeah. And I think Bryce Young against Arkansas's secondary. I mean, I, I think that's the, the matchup of the game where. For sure. I like the over. I might like uh, I, I might like a Bryce Young passing prop or an Alabama team total even more than that spot. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's an interesting. And I think that's another thing that you can sort of speak to is there's a lot of ways to play to isolate down to the same. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. It's like what do you believe is happening in this game, and what do you think is the mo- the highest probability of that? in terms of what bet are you getting into, right? Like, I really got screwed on the hook for that Giants-Cowboys game, 38 and a half, I, and it moved down. But as I was thinking about it, and I was kind of stuck between them two, it's like, do I just want to play the first half under? 
That's what I did. Yeah. And I'm not even saying like, because I was so smart about it. I think I kind of just got lucky because my initial instinct was the full game under and I kind of talked myself out of it. But yeah, that that was a, that was a nice one to come in. I I also like the Bengals uh, minus three in the first half. Tua is, is really hampered right now. Like not just the concussion, but Mike McDaniels is saying there's a possibility he doesn't play tomorrow. He's got a bad back. He's got a bad angle. We know his bell was rung. And listen, we know it's Teddy covers, blah, blah, blah. But he looked horrible. He looked, unless unless they are planning for Teddy to play and they are structuring it for Teddy to play, I don't know necessarily that Teddy's going to come in and go to the jungle and be able to cover against this Bengals team, which still feels like very disrespected. And then you throw in the element that the Dolphins' defense is now on a short week. They're going to be absolutely gassed after being on the field for 90-plus plays in 90-degree weather. Their offensive linemen both had to leave the game due to heat exhaustion, and that's not something that just goes away. Like, I've had heat exhaustion. That stuff zaps you for a while, right? I think that's going to show up pretty much immediately. I think the bodies of everyone are going to be sore, obviously quarterback issues. So, yeah, I like the Bengals to come out swinging early and cover that three. Uh, and I love the Jags. Like, I know there's a lot of hype on the Eagles right now. And maybe I'm totally wrong. Like, this is one of those games where, like, maybe I'm totally wrong. And the Eagles are just elite. But I think Trevor Lawrence's processing speed is going to go down as, like, one of the best in the NFL for a very long time. I think his release time is second only to Tom Brady. And it's not because of check downs. He's actually getting to like his third or fourth progression faster than any NFL uh, quarterback in the league. Right. So he's able to get the ball to Christian Kirk really, really fast. Like Christian Kirk is the number one receiver in the slot right now in the NFL. So they've got a lot of weapons. I think they're going to be able to compete with the Eagles just like the Lions did. Right. Even if it's in the second half. And then the Jags rely on their defense in a really legit way with Devin Lloyd, who's the highest graded rookie in week two, like that linebacker that they had. Obviously, Trayvon Walker has been showing exactly why he went number one. And you've already got Josh Allen there. So a very stout defense, a bunch of weapons for a smart quarterback, I think should be able to compete and at least cover the seven. And I bought the seven at minus 125. So, yeah, I I like that play uh, a ton. And then Saints unders are just going to be – this is one of those – those like type of plays that I've identified for the rest of the season. Like until something changes with the saints, multiple injuries now to weapons like Michael Thomas, Jameis looks lost. Like I'm just going to continue to bet saints unders unless I believe that their opponent is going to be able to score more on this saints defense than that number. So they're just, they're just lost out there. So I think that's 42 and a half. Good stuff. All right. Avalanche of picks. I like it. I'm going to do my picks after this. We're going to get Trista out of here first. I enjoyed this little home and home we did. I was on BetMGM tonight, last night. That's a mouthful. Cool little home and home and, and get back series here. Trista, I know I said it at the top, but where can uh, where can all the people find you and your work and uh, anything else you want to plug right now that's going on? Yeah, find me on Twitter, Trista underscore Crick. You can find me on Instagram there as well. Uh, heat check. I would love anyone who's an NBA fan to check that out, download, subscribe. It's a great way. We cover the NBA in a really fun, lighthearted way. But people who actually are in the league in the NBA tell me that it's a really good way to digest because I read everything. I'll read all the athletic stuff, uh, all the different articles, and then kind of condense it into something distillable for people who don't have time for that. So I 
I would really appreciate you checking that out. Um, also, WFAN, Saturdays, after Yankees games, four-hour call-in show. And then, of course, BetMGM Tonight uh, on the Odyssey app or on the radio, wherever you get your podcasts. That's 7 to 11 uh, Eastern Standard Time, Monday through Friday. We've got great guests like Chase Kitty on. He gives us his plays. He keeps our hosts accountable, like Ryan. <laughs> I think I think Cameron has given me the the just he's given me the eight twenty spot every Tuesday. He's like just your that's that's your time. I'm not even going to bother trying to fill it. We'll just come back to you every week for that. It's amazing. I love that you called Ryan out. So Ryan said on the show last night <laughs> yeah. for anyone who didn't listen that Chase tried to talk him off of Colts. Which was true. I did. I when they said Leonard was was not going to play, I DM'd him. I was like, "Dude, I know you got this Colts position. I think you got to buy out of it. I don't know." And then he said on the show, he said, "Yeah," and I I sent him a gif of the Colts, and I said, "You sent him the gif like right after? You just immediately were like, no?" And he's like, "Yeah, I sent it to him on Friday." And I get your message like, "Do not let Ryan try to peddle that that was Friday." He waited for the outcome of that game. He was. I mean, I was flattered, I guess, because he he must have been sitting on the end of the Colts game, waiting for like the clock to hit zero so he could immediately DM me about the Colts winning. So I guess I'm I'm flattered that I'm uh, I'm in his head that much when he's grading out his bets. Uh, enjoy the money, my friend. I think that I think the thing that's nice about having you on the show is is because I like to. There's certain people who we have on who I trust and I like the way that their process is. I, I enjoy it and I appreciate their process. So when me and you are in conflict, me or Ryan or you are in conflict of plays that I'm thinking of playing and we're in opposition. I either DM you and ask for more information like yeah. we've had before, or I just stay off of it. You know, honestly, like I think you're really smart. I think Ryan's really smart. And if you see something that I don't see and the process is good, you know what? There's plenty of plays on the board that are not like show bets that don't need to that need to take place. Now, if I'm super confident, yeah, you, you put 10 toes down and you stand in that. But I think, more collaboration and betting, I think, is is better for everyone's wallet. Yeah, I think you you point out something that's really interesting here, which is there there are people. If I see I'm head to head against them, I really am like, ooh, maybe I need to go back one more time and look at that one. Then there, this is the more interesting one, I think. There are people I see I'm head to head against, and that makes me more confident. Like, oh, I'm definitely on the right side. That guy likes that side. I'm definitely on the right side. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's the best part. We have some hosts. We have some people come on who will, and I'll I'll call one by name. Oh man! Because I love them. But Alan Alan Bell, anytime anything Tennessee, any because he lives in Tennessee, any feel that he has for Tennessee, I always go the other way. Alan Bell on the show two weeks ago, actually. I love Alan. Yeah. I like, and I'll give him a hard time. Yeah, remember Alan? You gave out Tennessee minus seven. That's funny because he he came on this podcast and he did. Now this is, I think you're talking about the Vols and I'm talking about the Titans. But yeah, he came on and just threw the Titans under the bus. He was like, "Yeah, they're going to Buffalo Monday night. They're going to get smacked. You should bet Buffalo." Yeah, I'm here in Nashville. Do not bet on Tennessee in this game. It does you get plus thirty points. I would not bet on Tennessee. Uh, I love Alan. So. I love. Alan. And he was right about yeah. that one. Yeah, yeah, they did get smacked around. I had so I was unplugging in in Quebec City, and the third leg of my parlay was under twenty six and a half. 
Bills, Titans. And I, and I get, and I'm like walking out, and I'm trying not to look at the game, trying not to do anything. Is this first half? First half. Okay. Under yeah. first half, 26 and a half. And I couldn't remember if it was 26 or 26 and a half under. And I didn't have my phone with me because I was walking around just like trying to unplug. And I walk yeah. by this pub and I see it's the beginning of the third third quarter and it's 26 on the nose. It's like 21 or it's what, what was it? It was 20, 20 to I forget what it was, but it, I just hit it on the hook and I like lost it. And uh, but yeah, they they put a good old pounding on them. Yeah, Titans are not going to Titans are an interesting team this year for sure. Yeah, I, I also interesting the, uh, the the trip to Quebec City to unplug. I, I think uh, I, I am curious about that as a destination, but maybe we'll save that for another time or, or uh, we'll, we'll just talk about it off air. Yeah, I highly recommend, though. Highly recommend. All right, Trista Craig, thanks for coming on. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks again to Trista for coming on the show. Like I said, a little bit of a home and home there. I did BetMGM tonight on Tuesday. She sits down with me for half an hour on Wednesday. All evens out. Good conversation with her. I would love to give you a tennis pick here. Unfortunately, I I, I love an Estonian tennis play on Thursday. WTA Talon, an indoor hardcourt tournament in Estonia. Unfortunately, the bet I'm looking at, 4 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. So... Unless something crazy happens there, uh, this podcast probably not going to be hitting your ears in time for that play. So if something crazy happens and uh, the match gets pushed back, I will share that on Twitter. Other than that, that'll probably just go to those of you that follow me on the Action app. Good reason to go find me on the Action app. That's at Kitty for all of my plays, particularly the tennis ones that come in fast and furious and are often at weird hours when they're playing in... Uh, far corners of the world. Very compelling argument to uh, find me on action there. So with that in mind, let's get into the college plays. Of course, I'll give you the five official plays that I like this week, and then a couple more leans as well. The The picks were good last week. The official picks were pretty good. The leans were incredible. I think I went three and two in official plays, and then like nine and two in leans. I just... Crazy week last week. Uh, we'll, we'll see if we can keep it going this week. Definitely smaller volume. First play that I like, Tulane at Houston. We're just following the upset bid, right? So we liked Southern Miss last week at Tulane after Tulane gets the win at Kansas State. The Kansas State win means that Tulane is then overvalued the following week. They play Southern Miss. I told you to take the 12 and a half, and I think Southern Miss is live in the game. Guess what? They won the game outright. So now we go to Houston, and we get two for the price of one on this because Houston is overvalued this season, and Tulane is now undervalued because they lost to Southern Miss, and directional school bias is real. People look at Southern Miss and think, ooh, that's a bad loss. Tulane should have won that game. Okay, maybe they should have won. They were 12.5 points favorites. But Southern Miss is a good team. I don't think we should be this down on this Tulane team. I think they're pretty good. I think they're a top-half American school. I don't know if I can say the same for Houston. They just haven't impressed me this season. Houston opens as the one-point favorite. Predictably, 80 or 85% of the tickets are on the Cougars here. I think Tulane's the right side. I love the number. 
I think the idea that you open Houston minus one is just such a trap line. It's just, you know, you see it and immediately go, okay, Houston, I can name their coach. It's Dana Hogerson, big offense. They were in the American title game last year. And I only have to lay one point. All they have to do is basically win the game and I win the bet. Great. It's such a bait line. No surprise that the ticket count is dramatically in Houston's favor. I like Tulane here. You're getting a point and a half of extra value because of the line movement. It looks like it will go to three. So if you don't, you know, if you, if you want to wait, maybe you take Tulane now at half unit. You buy the, you, you get the three later. Maybe you just wait for the three because it does look like it's going to get there. But I love this Tulane side. I think Houston is way overvalued this year because of what they did last season. I think Tulane is probably going to win this game outright. So Tulane plus the two and a half, Tulane plus the three, Tulane money line if you want to be more aggressive, but that is my first side. Ohio plus 11 and a half. This is another G5 game that nobody's going to be paying attention to, but Kent State getting a lot of love a week after they played Georgia as tough as anybody has. All of a sudden, you know, Kent State, I, I wrote a little sm- small something for the BetMGM blog about this. Kent State has taken like $5.2 million in buy games over the last month. They went and played Oklahoma, they played Washington, and then they played Georgia. They earned over $5 million from those three schools for playing those teams. And so they've had a lot of chances to uh, not just to hone themselves and the team against really high-level competition. I think those three teams are combined, what, 11-1 and one right now? So very impressive teams that they've played against. But they've also played as massive dogs in those three spots. Now they come into this game, it's a MAC game, conference game against Ohio, who is okay, you know, they can score some points. And they are seven and a half point favorites, which is probably already a little bit inflated to begin with because of what they did against Georgia. People are coming in and buying Kent State left and right because of the performance against Georgia. This number has ballooned from seven and a half to 11 and a half I think it could go higher I think it could get to 13 I'm not waiting I'm gonna buy in now and then maybe I'll come back for more later but this number is just way out of control this is just a classic super easy buyback I think it's gonna be one of the easiest bets of the week you have Kent State that's now in a completely different psychological position than it has been the previous couple of weeks it's not just plan for a paycheck and hey let's go out there we got nothing to lose anymore it's now at home in a game it's supposed to win and just mathematically on principle overvalued we're getting lots of extra points with ohio that we shouldn't be so we'll take the bobcats there to cover ole miss kentucky if you listen to the show you already know what i'm about to say i am betting the ole miss unders until you make me stop taking your money because it's free cash every week. And I think that's true this week. We do have a lower number this time, but I think that's more about Kentucky's side of the equation than the Ole Miss defense. I still don't feel like people have caught on here. So give me Ole Miss Kentucky under 54.5. 74% of the tickets are on the over. The line has gone from 55.5 to 54.5. Clear reverse line movement. All of the professionals have figured this out. We're all betting these all Miss Unders. The public continues to bet the overs. Join me in the circle of money. Just keep doing it until they make us stop.
Iowa State is a three-point favorite at America's team, the Kansas Jayhawks. Kansas football is like the equivalent of when Reddit decided they were all going to spend $20 buying AMC and GameStop. Everybody loves the Kansas football team. 68% of the tickets are on Kansas plus the three. And Jalen Daniels, the Kansas quarterback, has become the number one liability for BetMGM Sportsbook. They have more to lose on Jalen Daniels than any other player in college football. Think about that. That is insane. They beat a Houston team that's a little overrated. They beat a West Virginia team that was up big and had a total collapse. They beat an FCS team. Kansas is good. Kansas is a fun story. I'm not telling you Kansas is a bad football team. But once we start to get into Big 12 play, they're going to lose some games. Like they, I think there's this sort of fantasy that Kansas is going to go 11-1 and and play in a New Year's Six Bowl game and win the Big 12. That's not going to happen. That's not what this team is. And I think the party is probably over this week. And if you don't like the football analysis, how about the economic analysis? Almost 70% of tickets on Kansas. Big liability for the Jayhawks in the side. Big liability for Jalen Daniels in the Heisman Trophy marketplace, as I mentioned. The line hasn't moved at all. It opened at Iowa State 3. It remains Iowa State 3. Iowa State, as I have mentioned uh, with some of these other spots this week, Iowa State is the unpopular favorite here, and that is a spot I love to find. So give me the Cyclones off the home loss to Baylor. They go on the road, they go to Kansas, and they get it done. My final official bet here that I like before we get to some leans, Ohio State Rutgers under 59. Uh, Now, full disclosure, I got this at 59 and a half, but the line has not moved that much more. It's still 59 at BetMGM right now. I think this is great. Uh, Ohio State is playing a more intense but less high-octane free-flying version of its offense right now. I think you're going to see a lot of Rutgers punts. I think a shutout is on the table. I think Ohio State wins this something like 45-6. to And ultimately, this comes in on the under. I think this game will probably be non-competitive. It's in Columbus. And I think the under in some spots for Ohio State this year has been pretty good. Like, I was on their under when they played Arkansas State because the number was too high. And you knew they were going to be up big and they were going to take their foot off the gas and, and just kind of play keep away. And that is largely what I am expecting with this game against Rutgers under 59. It's another spot where we're seeing reverse live movement. 35% of tickets are on the under, but 75% of money is on the under. So big, sharp, square split there, and that is what's driving the line movement down. Those official plays, one more time, Tulane plus the 2.5, Ohio plus 11.5, Ole Miss, Kentucky under 54.5, Iowa State minus 3, and Ohio State Rutgers under 59. Let's get to a couple of leans here. Friday night. Los Angeles, UCLA, Washington could get weird in the Pac-12 early this week as we've got Pac-12 after dark on a weeknight, if you want to call Friday a weeknight. I guess it is for college football purposes. UCLA is a three-point home dog. I think I like them to win outright. Look, I tried to sell Washington high last week and it didn't work out with Stanford, but UCLA is a much better team than Stanford. 
I'm hoping on a Friday night in Los Angeles, it's not going to be a totally apathetic Rose Bowl. There will actually be a crowd there to watch, you know, a top 25 opponent in a really good game. I think UCLA can get this done, but I already tried to sell high in Washington once. That's why this is a lean and not an official play. Another one I like, Middle Tennessee. Look, God bless them. They got the job done last week in Miami. They made my Dukes look real, real good because JMU beat Middle Tennessee 44-7 in week one. And then Middle Tennessee goes on the road and beats Miami. Awesome for my alma mater. Awesome for those guys down there at Middle Tennessee State. There's no way they haven't been drunk the whole last week. There's just no way they have not been out partying the whole last week. That's going to be the biggest win those kids ever have. UTSA minus four on the road this week. It's just such a sell-high spot. Texas San Antonio gets the job done there, and I'm willing to lay a short number on the road. I believe that is the right side. Michigan State got stomped by Washington. They get stomped by Minnesota. Are they going to get stomped a third time? I tend to doubt it, in part because Talia Tagavaloa is a game-time decision. Even if he plays, he's not quite healthy anymore. He took some hits there at Michigan. Rakeem Jarrett, wide receiver for Maryland, also a game-time decision. So again, even if he plays, still kind of not 100% not himself. If both of those guys miss the game, this is like an automatic cover. Even if they play, I think, you know, you, you hear this sometimes about pitchers in baseball. Some pro bettors like to go find pitchers that had two straight bad outings and bet them to get a little bit back in their groove on the third outing. Because after you have two bad ones, you really got to show up for that third one. And so Michigan State... Like I, I have been, you know, me and the school of Bill Connolly and like all these guys that say, hey, Michigan State's due for some serious negative regression in 2022. That's all true. But now you get to bet the bounce back and getting the Spartans plus eight at Maryland when a couple weeks ago, this line would have been, you know, Michigan State minus two and a half on the road. It just feels like you're getting 10 points of value relative to what it would have been a couple of weeks ago. So this is, this is where I want to buy the dip with Michigan State. Solid, solid lean there, I think, as well. I'm interested in Oklahoma State-Baylor. We've got a rematch of last year's Big 12 championship game. Oklahoma State opens as a short one-and-a-half-point road dog. Baylor, the uh, short home favorite there. That number gets bet to two-and-a-half, which is where it is now. It's interesting. That line makes sense to me because they played such a tight championship game last year. Both teams lost pieces, particularly on the defense. So it makes sense to me that a a bookmaker would say, okay, where do I want to set the line for this? Well, let's set it close and competitive, and Baylor won last year, and this game's in Waco, so one and a half. That sounds right to me, but that makes sense to gamblers too. So I would think that public bettors would want to come in on and swamp Baylor there, especially after the road win at Iowa State, I would think that Baylor would be a very public, easy side here underneath the three. So I think my lean there is toward Oklahoma State just because it feels way too easy there for Baylor, and they're kind of setting you up for a loss there. Uh, but that's probably my weakest lean of the week. I'm really doing some galaxy brain stuff there. Penn State Northwestern, I was on Central Michigan plus all the points in Happy Valley last week. Uh, this week, we get to do the total opposite. I think Penn State shows up and obliterates Northwestern. I still don't think we found the bottom of the market on Northwestern. 
Northwestern is exactly what I thought they were in the offseason, which is not a very good team in the Big Ten West. But they go out and they beat Nebraska in Ireland in week zero, and people completely change their handicap of what they think Northwestern is. And since then, they lose to Southern Illinois. They lose to Duke. They're not a good football team. They are playing by far the best team they've played all year. Penn State getting back into Big Ten play after the early game against Purdue. I think they show up here mid-afternoon game. Kind of had a sleepy walkthrough against Central Michigan, which is what we predicted. I think Penn State absolutely rolls Northwestern like 56-7, to something like that. So I'm betting big. I would even look at alts. I've got this in the 2K parlay. Big on Penn State this week. I think they win by a million. Mississippi State, Texas A&M is another side that I really like. It would have been an official play. The problem is Mississippi State opened at two and has since moved to three and a half. And I just don't know how I feel about the three and a half. Mississippi State, similar spot to what I've pointed out a couple of times already this year. They are an unranked favorite playing against a ranked underdog. I am always going to be on the unranked favorite there. Also fits in with this episode's theme of sort of wonky favorites that people surprisingly don't like that much. Uh, Mississippi State, it should be pointed out, does have a majority of the tickets in this game. So it's not as disliked as some of the other spots. want to be clear about that. But unranked favorite, it does kind of still hold true in the macro Last year, they won at A&M 26-22, so we already know that old pirate captain knows how to get it done against what Jimbo Fisher's doing with A&M. Mississippi State doesn't have a great defense. I, I mean, Trista kind of talked about this already. Like Matchup-wise, there, there are things that would imply A&M doesn't really have the tools to attack what Mississippi State is bad at, so you even have a football reason why this is probably the right side to be on. But the, at the end of the day... It's going to be a low-scoring game because A&M plays low-scoring games, and I don't want to be on the wrong side of three in a game where the winning team might have 17 points. So for me, this is a situation where I actually would prefer to bet the money line favorite. I want the Mississippi State ticket. I don't want to lay the points. So that's why this is not an official play, is I just... I hate the three and a half and a low scoring game, even though I, if I had to bet it, I would lay the three and a half. I would never be on A&M in this spot. Uh, that is what I like. Quick shout to a couple of other uh, sides that I'm considering. Texas Tech, I like the plus eight on a, as a sell high spot for Kansas State. I think Texas Tech's good. I'm not sure if they win the game. I do think they can cover eight. I have an alt spread for this in the 2K parlay. It's like Texas Tech plus 11 and a half, something like that. And then JMU and West Virginia, both my squads. We all know where I stand on that. Am I unbiased? No, but I do have a pretty good record betting on both teams, as we could point to last week when I told you JMU plus the seven at App State, and I think they're live in the game. That's a double-ticket winner. If I had to bet the game this week in Harrisonburg, I would lay the 22 points with JMU. Texas State is not good, and I think they might get just absolutely whacked in JMU's first home conference game in the Sun Belt. Don't know what the weather's going to be for that game. There's some talk about will Hurricane Ian have some bands that are all the way up in the valley by then? Is it going to be bad weather? I'd hate to be holding the minus 22 with shitty weather. So I'm ultimately going to stay away from that. Kind of like West Virginia plus the 9.5. They were plus 10.5. Would have liked that way better. Kind of like in plus the nine and a half in Austin, West Virginia has historically played pretty well, covered the number pretty well. 
when they go to Texas. But ultimately, I think I'm going to stay away. Uh, you, you like the extra prep. You like the progress they clearly showed in Blacksburg. But I don't know. Texas might win this by 30. So it's 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 one of those things where I'm, I'm going to stay away because I think there are other options that are better on the board. And there you go. There's your NFL picks. There's your college picks. Conversation with Trista. Lots of winners in today's podcast. We'll keep the momentum rolling. Uh, really feel good about the podcast and the picks the last couple weeks. And the numbers have been great. Really good numbers. Uh, lots of people tuning into the show for the first time and sticking around, clearly because the picks have been so good. Uh, so I appreciate that. Want to keep the mojo going for you. I uh, hope you enjoyed this podcast. We'll be back here again next week. Get into week six of the college football and week five of the NFL. Enjoy the games. Good luck with your bets. And until then, take it easy.